Hello and welcome to the Balancing Act podcast, where you can find tools and inspiration for working mums who are ready to overcome the mental load so that they can live with more simplicity, ease and fulfilment in their everyday. I'm your host, Debbie, a balance coach and a working mum myself, and I'm super happy to be here with you. Hello and welcome back to another week's episode of the Balancing Act podcast. As ever, I am super delighted that you have joined us and I really hope that you take away some value and some new information from the episode today. If this is your first episode, then a very warm welcome and thank you very much for joining us. I really hope that you enjoy the discussion today and that you continue to come back for more. Now, today I am joined by Fiona from Physio and Pilates. Fiona is a physiotherapist and a well-qualified Pilates instructor. And she has become a very strong voice in the area of women's pelvic health. She specialises in pregnancy and postnatal care, but also treats women at, at all stages in life. And women's pelvic health is something that isn't widely spoken about, which is why I felt so compelled to get Fiona on onto the podcast. I think even amongst women, it's it's not openly talked about. And even when we do talk about it, it's sometimes not the most comfortable discussion to have um, or maybe it's it's not easy to broach the topic even in the first place. So what this means is that many women out there suffer in silence, either because we're not sure if what we're experiencing is to be expected, especially if childbirth has been involved um, previously. Or because we're not actually sure where to go to to find either support, further information or treatment. And so I really hope that at the very least, this episode will build some awareness of what support is out there and available to us and, you know, potentially start breaking down some of those barriers to uncomfortable conversations so that ultimately we can feel like more at ease in our bodies and not feel held back by them or restricted in what we can do because of of pelvic health issues. So before we we dive in, um, I'll just mention that Fiona is based near to me in Aberdeenshire, which is where her studio is, and we we reference that at some points. And also at the time of recording, we're in mid-January 2021 and so currently in the middle of lockdown here in the UK, which is relevant to some of the restrictions that are in place um, on face-to-face treatment that Fiona also addresses. So I really hope you enjoy the discussion. As I say, I hope you take away some value, some new information. And if you do know any other women that would benefit from this, then please, please, please do pass it on and spread the word. Enjoy. It's fab to have you on the podcast. And thank you very much indeed for, for giving up your time and what is a very, very busy schedule. Um, 
So to start off with, I was wondering if you would introduce yourself to the listeners and um, tell us a bit about yourself and about physio and Pilates as well. Yeah, so I was thinking about this today, actually. I've now, this year will be 16 years since I started my training to be a physiotherapist, oh, which makes me feel really old. <laughs> but I have to, I feel I have to say I didn't actually do anything else. I took a year out and then went straight from school to do physio. So that's what I've always done. Um, and I started off like most people do. I did the basic rotations in the NHS um, down in Edinburgh and I loved it. Um, but then we had the opportunity um, due to my husband's job uh, to move overseas. So we did that in 2012. And at the time, I was maybe a little bit naive thinking, Everyone said, oh, it'll be easy. We went to Norway, first of all. And everyone said, you know, everyone speaks English in Norway. It'll be easy to work. And theoretically, it was from the point of view that it was that my license covered me and all those things. But to work in the hospital that was my background, I would have had to be completely fluent in Norwegian. So I then um, thought, well, let's have a baby. And in the time that I have a baby and... I can also learn Norwegian, which in hindsight was the stupidest plan. You know, no one's to learn a new language when with baby brain would have been ridiculous. Um, but we did end up having a baby. Um, but in the meantime, we actually moved. My husband's company liked to move us around a lot. So we then moved before she was born um, to Denmark. So by this point, I realized that for me to keep up my career, I was going to have to have a little bit of a rethink. And having had a baby myself, I realized that I didn't actually really know much about what happened after you had the baby to your body. I didn't realise much about what felt right, what was normal. And I had lots of friends who were also new mums at this point asking me the same thing. Um, and as a sort of general physiotherapist, you don't you do very little training in pelvic health or women's health. So it, it was I didn't know much more than the average person. So this kind of sparked my interest and that was when my sort of journey into women's health started and it's just grown from there. Um, unfortunately, there's probably not been a huge change in the amount that the general population knows, although I feel like maybe within my little bubble things are getting, you know, spoken about more. But um, I think, yeah, that's basically my reason for doing it. My reason for um, enjoying it is it's such a underserved group um it's such a needed group and the um I guess the rewards that come from it um are are good too and I think because it's relatable I now have two children um, and neither of my postnatal recoveries were completely straightforward either so I feel like I have a an understanding from that point of view um and so yeah, that's how when we moved back, we moved back finally to the UK or to Aberdeenshire in um, 2018. And that was when I set up on my own. So over the, the time we were away, I was adding to my knowledge and skills and paying up different pieces, bits and pieces here and there. And then when we came back, I decided I would just work for myself. Um, and so that's what I've been doing ever since. Oh, fab, fab. Because um, that was actually, that, that sort of leads in really nicely to what was going to be my first question. Because I guess when we first came into contact, it was after I had Patrick, my second mm-hmm. son. And even at that level, having been through, you know, one birth already, my awareness of um, like 
pelvic health in general was really really low and it I did wonder then afterwards you know was it just me or do you think there is that that general no, lack of awareness definitely wasn't just you I think um the most people who see me will say why did no one tell me this why did no one tell me it was going to happen and in fact there's actually a physiotherapist um Emma Brockwell who's releasing a book um next month um and the title of it is why did no one tell me because basically it's not spoken about and I think it's not until you have a baby and then maybe have some complications that you even start to think about that area um and what might be happening and even then it's almost just accepted that well things will feel different because you've had a baby and it Mm -hmm. might not just be that that's your thought it might even be that that um you may visit your GP and they may also say well I don't know it'll just take a bit of time or that's to be expected it depends um obviously on what your problems are and what your concerns are but quite often I think it's expected that you have a baby and you just kind of get on with it and put up with put up with the symptoms and I think a lot of the time women don't know what is and isn't normal because either they've not done it before or they may have done it before but it feels different this time to last time and it's not the kind of thing you know you maybe have a sore back and you would talk to your friend about it but you don't tend to just talk to your friend about um, what's happening down below <laughs> unless yeah. you're really good friends and they start <laughs> to bring up something too you know but generally it's not spoken about so no one knows what everyone else is going through I've spoken to friends about it but subsequently like not before because I, I didn't know what you know it's not something you think well I, it's not something I thought to talk about in advance and I think like as standard here in in Scotland anyway there's a, a six-week checkup with the GP but um certainly for mine that was more like emotionally based rather than anything like anything at all physical um and I think for me as well you know naively I thought like I was reasonably fit like I did you know quite a bit of running before and yoga and things like that and I just sort of assumed then that like you know it would just be be fine um yes so I think that like one thing that we are told is after birth you know I think you get leaflets home from the hospital and I'm doing your pelvic floor exercises, but that's it. It comes from a leaflet. I think like no one ever sort of tells you what, what to do or how it should feel or anything. Like, do you think that that, like that as a standard level of treatment is enough for most women? Or do you think even that, that base level should be more? I think we, I think it's, it's tricky knowing when to give the information because I think, if you, I think there, I think there should be more information antenatally. So you know, a lot of the antenatal focus is on looking after your baby and preparing for birth and and labour. I think at that point is a good opportunity to discuss some of the things that may happen, but within a context that's not scary, that's not putting fear into people, but just saying, you know, your pelvic. I think. I'm not sure actually, but I think some of the midwives may mention that you should do your pelvic floor exercises. But again, that statement in itself isn't necessarily that helpful if you don't know what that means and how you should be doing them and how it feels. And and so I think antenatally, we should be talking about it more just to prepare women so that 
they know that, oh, well, maybe this doesn't feel right. I can go and ask about that. And then I think postnatally, again, it's tricky. I don't, you, heard, you said in a few episodes back that um, you were talking about the amount of leaflets you get home um, from the hospital, um, and that was in relation to nothing being there for the men. But And you get this one little leaflet that has information about um, your pelvic floor exercise and those things, and it's a great leaflet. But at that point, it probably gets put in a pile when you get home because your focus is on other things and it's whether or not you go back and look at that leaflet. And so I think we definitely need to do more and we need to tell women more and they need to be more informed. One way I think to do it is perhaps make women more aware of what they might want to ask at their six-week check so that because if you do flag up concerns, generally the GPs are quite good at following them up but Mm -hmm. if you just go into that appointment and you don't know what what a concern is and also at six weeks you might not have really tried much that's going to push your pelvic floor um so it might be feeling okay then it might not be till four or five weeks later when you try and go for a run or do something else that you then notice some symptoms so I definitely think we need to do more and I think women need to be more aware um, of what to be looking out for and what they can be doing. And yeah. so what, what advice would you pass on to mums who, who are looking to get back into exercise, like either immediately after the birth, well, I say immediately, you know, six plus weeks mm-hmm. um, after the birth of the baby or even later on, like I'm, I'm conscious of maybe mums who have given birth, you know, during lockdown or whatever, maybe haven't had the chance to get back to exercise yet. They might, you know, it might be like a year or longer after the baby's born until they're able to get back to anything. So with exercise, um, I think sometimes the six-week check has also is seen as a sort of tick to, okay, now you're good to go. You can do whatever you want. But as you said, mostly all that's checked in that is how you're feeling and what contraception you're planning to use. And that doesn't then say whether you're ready to go back to exercise or not. And so from that, we've there's been some guidelines developed um, almost two years ago now um, that specifically look at running, but they can be used for other impact exercises. Um, and so they use a gradual return to exercise. The the advice is that you shouldn't be doing anything impact before 12 weeks. So impact is running, jogging, skipping, anything kind of like um, aerobics type wise. Um, but that doesn't mean that you do nothing for 12 weeks and then you get to the 12 week mark and then suddenly you can go out and do a 5K. It's again, it's just like, if you had sprained your ankle quite badly, you wouldn't go from resting it for six weeks to then going back to try and, you know, do the running that you were doing before you hurt your ankle. You would do a, a strengthening program, a rehabbing program to build it up again. And it's just the same. So whatever stage you're at, as long as you've got to that 12 week mark, um, then from there, it's a gradual return. So if that's running, then the type of thing you might want to do is a couch to 5K type of run where you do a little bit of walking, a little bit of running. If it's um, if you're looking at back more early into a class situation, then 
Things like postnatal specific classes, whether that's yoga or Pilates, can be good because the instructor should have a knowledge of um, how your body is and any complications you might have so they can adapt things for you. Um, before that 12 weeks or the six weeks, you can be doing things like pelvic floor exercises, some gentle core exercises, the ones that you get in the booklet that you got at the hospital, they have some nice, easy core exercises to get you started. Focusing on some lots of breathing and, you know, gentle weights and that sort of thing. So you can be doing lots before the 12 weeks, walking, um, you know, swimming in the days when we could go to a swimming pool, you know, those things. There is stuff you can be doing, but it's the higher impact things that need to wait that little bit longer. And when you do go back to them, it's more gradual. Right. Yep. Okay. And then how about um? So with the easing back in, then how how about like longer term maintenance? So I guess after you've had had kids that should all be working on our pelvic floor in, in well, some way. Well, to be fair, yes. Even if you've not had children, um, you should be working on your pelvic floor because just like any muscles in your body, they change with age. Um, so they get weaker if they're not used um so yes um pelvic floor exercises are something that you should incorporate into your day for life really Mm. um but it's also along with the pelvic floor exercises just general exercise is great for overall strength and um conditioning but also the thing to be aware of is when you get to pre and postmenopausal, then there will be pelvic floor changes occur then due to changes in hormones and so there may be you know it may be that you've had a small leak say you know you've had you every every time you go for a run you have a little bit of incontinence but it doesn't really bother you it's only when you go for a run and that's it and you maybe avoid trampolines and then you you just put up with that but then you get to um later years and you get postmenopausal and then due to those other changes those things that were a small problem can become a bigger problem if you haven't done anything about it so again that's not to scare people but yeah pelvic health is something that you need to sort of keep on top of um mm. that's why I think that um I guess that's why I felt so sort of passionate about making this episode because I think that it's things like it almost feels just because we don't talk about them as much and there's not that awareness that it's you know probably later in life people are suffering with things that they that, well women are suffering with health mm-hmm. conditions that they didn't have to um and again it it maybe just went back to the the not knowing and not yes, having yeah. the awareness that that there was something that they could have done to prevent it earlier on yeah. so I think I it's mean, really we're... good to like get that advice yeah like I think as well we were saying about when you should get the advice I think Personally, it should become something that girls and boys are taught about in school as part of their general health education, you know, along with learning about periods. You should be learning about your pelvic floor and how to look after it and how it should be and and to have a look down there and know how things look because often people have never looked down there and then they have a baby and they either don't want to look because maybe they have bad memories or also they just you know they just don't want to know and mm. but then you don't know if things are different you know so it's then harder to 
tell a health professional if you think things have changed, if you didn't know how they were before. And as we get older, we can also get um, sort of changes um, more in the outer tissues um, that can, you know, cause a bit of pain or irritation. And those are things that you would want to sort of keep an eye on. But again, if you don't know how it looked before, it's hard to, to, mm. to speak about it. So I think overall we should be better at talking about and um, pelvic health from a young a young age yeah and you f- it sort of feels that the the more frequently that can be done and the more it sort of normalizes the conversation and hence like the more comfortable people become with, yes. with talking about it even like even I guess you know women talking about it with their partners as well that's not always mm-hmm. the, the most comfortable thing yeah. to do but if it was you know if it was in general um the the done thing then that yeah. might be a bit easier as well yeah that's why I say I think it's not just the girls that should be learning about it it should be the boys too mm-hmm. and with the regards to periods I think we get taught what they are but also there's a lot of women suffer from painful periods that they don't need to but again they're, they're not aware that that's not the norm and that they can get help for that too so I think there's a lot should and can be done around um, around education yeah mm. earlier on to just as you say normalize it so that people are as happy going to see their doctor about pelvic floor issues as they are about a sore neck yes 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 yeah I really liked when you related it and um, the exercise bit there about you know imagine if you'd sprained your ankle and you were mm-hmm. getting back into it and I think like even with birth like whatever way you've given birth it's like a major deal you know when you yes. think what your body's been through but I think mm-hmm. you know it's it's I guess because it's very common now I think we we just we tend to overlook that a little bit in mm-hmm. in society and like I know when I had Patrick I got this amazing book called the for the first 40 days um okay. and in the introduction bit it talked about how in so many um like non-western cultures you know there's a real like period of recuperation and yes. and the, you know the idea of like it takes a village to Mm-hmm. and the mum is very well looked after by an extended family member and cooked meals and given daily massages and things like yeah. that whereas I think here you know like not everybody but the sort of the yeah the the media culture is definitely you know you mm-hmm. give birth and then you're looking to get back to your like pre-baby body and yes. you know yeah it's, it's almost totally... a badge of a badge of honor of how quickly you're up and about yes. again and yeah yeah yeah. yeah, I think it's, it's um, and that's the, as you said, I think the media and just society as a whole has a lot to um, sort of answer for with regards to postnatal recovery. Mm. Um, so one of the, the services that you offer then is the Mummy MOT. And yes. could you sort of outline what what you could expect at a Mummy MOT appointment and, and who it's it's designed for as well? So um, the Mummy MOT is something that you can find throughout the UK and also um, internationally. It's so it's it's for mostly for um, physiotherapists, um, and so they're all trained to the same standard. And it's basically a postnatal check. So you can have it from six weeks onwards. You can have it six years postnatally if, you know, if you've had a baby um, and you have concerns, then you can have, if you've had a baby, you can have a mummy MLT. Um, 
so what to expect is initially before you come you would receive a questionnaire that's quite detailed and talks about lots of things that you probably wouldn't think about talking to anyone else about things like your bladder and your bowel and intercourse and how your pelvic floor feels but also other um perhaps conditions that you may have um, any medication you take and also what your concerns are and what your goals are so some people will come just because they've given birth they want to get back to a high level of exercise and they almost just want a check to say yes you're good to go other people will come because they're experiencing something that's stopping them from doing what they'd like to be doing so that may be um, pelvic floor dysfunction which could be it could be pain it could be um, incontinence it could be um, feelings of having a prolapse which is when you get a sort of heavy feeling in your pelvis um, or it could be to do with their abdominals so you can have an abdominal separation that doesn't um, heal um, by itself or it could be back pain hip pain lots of things so depending what um, the person's concerns are and what their goals are will depend how the mummy MT sort of goes and uh, there's a sort of you know we want to check everything posture and movement and um, abdominals and core and breathing and we do this by um, looking at you moving so doing you know some some squats and some lunges and basic things like that we'll have a focus on how you're breathing because that often changes during pregnancy um, because the baby's stuck up underneath your ribs and he then can't take as deep a breath and that breathing how that how you breathe really affects your core so I look at that we'll look at if you've had a c-section the scar how it's healing talk about massaging the scar to improve the healing um, check to see if you do have a separation of your abdominals and then if a pelvic floor exam is um, indicated and it's not essential it's not something you have to have um, but it can be really useful because as we were saying at the start you know people say do your pelvic floor exercises but you, it's not like doing a squat where you can watch someone do it and then do it yourself and they tell you yes you're doing that right or no you need to change that you can't Everything is inside with the pelvic floor, so you can't really see what you're doing. Sometimes it's hard to feel what you're doing and things might just, you know, you might not feel like you're doing anything. So an, a pelvic floor exam can be useful to see how you're doing those exercises and to help guide you to do them as well as possible. So although it's maybe not something that you would, you know, rush to have, it can be, it can be really useful and it's not like having a smear test it's um you know it's quite a nice isn't the right word but it's um it shouldn't be something to worry about and um it can be really really helpful and useful so those would be the main things that um, we would do in an assessment sometimes the assessment is mostly um a lot of talking because there's also things that you might want to talk about that you haven't spoken about with anyone else. Often there's things will come up that I'll ask and people will say, oh, I hadn't actually thought about that. But yes, I am having um, issues with that. And so then from whatever we find in the assessment and whatever your goals are, you then will get a report of everything that we've discussed and found. And then together we make a plan of how you're going to move forward with that. And it may just be that 
you've had your mummy MOT and you're fine and there you go and you don't need to see me again or it might be that um, we need to work together for a little bit longer. But what I would say is obviously a mummy MOT um, it costs um, to come. I always say you know it's probably no more than you would spend on a good haircut and colour um, but if the money is an issue, you can go to your GP and ask to see a pelvic health physiotherapist um, and be referred through your GP. So it's not something, it is avail- a mummy MOT specifically isn't available in the NHS, but you can go and have a postnatal check or if you've got concerns, you can go and have a check um, on the NHS. So that is an option too. Mm, fantastic, fantastic. So a really thorough service then. Um and like I know from my own experience, I would I would highly recommend it. And um, yeah, it feels I think you certainly make what could be you know can feel a bit of a daunting experience feel very very comfortable and and easy. And um, yeah, your your manner as well is very approachable. So yeah, I would I would highly recommend I would highly recommend it. No qualms about that. Um, but I am like aware now at the minute with lockdown restrictions probably a lot of people are restricted in in face-to-face appointments so what would you sort of recommend as alternative resources for for people who aren't able to get to -to face-to-face appointments so I mean face-to-face appointments if people have concerns are running so don't sit at home and worry if you can if physiotherapy is allowed to continue and is allowed we are allowed to see people for what's deemed as essential so if it's something if you're in pain or it's affecting your mental health that sort of thing or if you're just really worried about what's going on down below then you know you can still come and have an appointment but yes if you if you don't want to come just now and I understand that because of um of the situation or if it's just not you know it's not feasible just now um there's a few different places I would suggest to get information there's um the squeezy app is one so the squeezy app has a website as well as being an app on its own and basically what the squeezy app is um is an app for your phone and it reminds you to do your pelvic floor exercises but it also gives you lots of information about how to do them and um why you should be doing them but i'm also on the website there's um information further information and information to where to find um, another pelvic health physio if you're not um, local to um, Aberdeenshire. There's also um, a, a web page called Pelvic Roar and they do um, awareness campaigns um, and give out some really good information, again, run by physiotherapists. And then there's a few good, there's the resources that you get so alongside the one you get when you give birth um, that has the pelvic floor exercises in it, they, there's a series of books there um, that you can get online from the um, POGP website. Um, and then there's also some good Instagram accounts to follow, um, ones like Physio Mum, and that's Emma Brockwell, who I mentioned, who's bringing out the book Um she has a great page where she posts lots of um, information. She does lots of Instagram lives where she talks with um, GPs and midwives, gynecologists, and um, covers lots of lots of different topics. So that's a good place to get information too. And I suppose as well, you know, you can always contact your GP um, if you're looking for some advice too. Mm. 
And how about your um, your own Instagram account as well? You post yeah, of so my, um, I do. I probably, I haven't, I don't know, since we went back into this lockdown, I've not been quite as um, active on there because it's been, I guess, one thing I've had to sort of drop. But um, yes, on my own Instagram, which is um, Busy One Pilates, um, I do tend to try and put some some information out there too. Fab. Um, so yeah, on that note, then it, where where else is Instagram the best place for our listeners to find you? Or um, Instagram, or I've got a yeah, it's probably the probably the easiest. Um, I'm also on Facebook, um, the Physiotherapy and Pilates Company. Fab. Um, and if anyone was interested in booking um, a MMOT, where where how would they go about doing that? Um. You could either, so if you wanted to book one with myself, you could just contact me um, through the either Physio and Pilates Instagram or through physioandpilatesco.com. If you are in another area, then you can go onto the Mummy MOT website and they have a directory. So you can just put in your postcode and they will tell you where your nearest practitioner is. I know that they aren't all... Um, operating face-to-face just now but also if someone wasn't sure you could always message me and I could try and point you in the direction of someone and someone working locally fantastic yay well thank you so so much for your time that's been really I really really enjoyed that chat um and yeah I feel like it's been really valuable so I really hope that um our listeners are getting great value out of it as well which I'm sure they are um and yeah thank you very much again for your time I say in in amongst a busy schedule we really appreciate you taking the time out well thank you thank you for asking me it's nice to have the chance um I guess to spread a little bit of awareness and make it more part of the conversation Mm, yes absolutely agree thank you so much for listening to this episode of the balancing act podcast If you've loved what you've heard, I would be incredibly grateful if you could rate and review the podcast so that we can help spread the word to all the other working mums out there looking for more balance in their everyday. If you'd like to hear more, you can find me on Instagram at DebbieLeeCo or on my website at DebbieLee.co.uk where you can download your free kickstart guide to finding your balance as a working parent. Until then, I look forward to speaking to you in the next episode. Bye for now.